Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Father God, we just thank you. Thank you for this glorious day this morning, for these beautiful people who have joined us, and for the opportunity, God, to study your word together. God, it's so amazing to see how you worked through mankind and, and to see how the stubbornness of Israel did not deter you from loving them. And it's the same with us, God. You know, you know us so intimately, so deeply. Uh, you know exactly what we're going to do before we're going to do it. Yet, you love us and you remain faithful. So, God, we thank you for that. We celebrate the times when we get it right. But most of all, God, you get it right. So we celebrate you. So thank you. Thank you, God, for working in our lives and, you know, using your word to help us, to correct us, to reprove us, to guide us. So this morning, God, illuminate your word again, once again, through the study and through the conversation so that we can understand and get a deeper understanding of who you are and what you've done for us. We just thank you, God, for this time. And we just commit this session over to you, God. Holy Spirit, lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, um, we continue our the, working towards the final chapter of, um, of Deuteronomy. You know, yesterday, we ended Moses's third sermon. So today, in uh, chapters 31 and 32, we're gonna sort of change directions a bit. You know, although man's time is limited, God's plan is always continuous. Whereas man's ability and opportunities are primarily related to a specific time and circumstance, God continues to operate through changing times and successive generations to accomplish his plan and purposes. So today we will see Moses beginning to transition his leadership to Joshua. He gives parting instructions and he announces to Israel that Joshua will soon take over the nation's leadership. His focus is on is ensuring that the next generation keeps or makes the priority or, or prioritize their relationship with God. So the chapter begins like this. Then Moses went out 
and chapter 31 that is. So chapter 31 begins like this. So Moses went out and spoke these words to Israel. I am now 120 years and I am no longer able to lead. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. Moses was forbidden to enter the promised land because of the earlier acts of disobedience and unbelief, which we read about in, in Numbers 20. But he faced his destiny. He was not only allowed, not only allowed to bring the Israelites in, but he was not allowed to enter with them. This, you know, must have seemed harsh to some of us because after all, he had led them through almost a hundred and you know, almost 80 years. But with one slip up, he must die short of the promised land. However, Moses was judged by a stricter standard because of his leadership position with the nation and his uniquely close relationship with God. He was entrusted with much, so much more was expected of him. Luke 12, 20, uh, 48. God may have also dealt with, with Moses harshly because he defaced the beautiful picture of Jesus's redemptive work through the rock that provided water in the wilderness. The New Testament makes it clear. This water providing life given rock was a picture of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10:4. Jesus being struck once provided life for all who would drink of him. John 7:37. It was unnecessary and unrighteous that Jesus would be struck twice because the son of God only needed to suffer once. Hebrews 10, 10, 2. We come to Jesus through our words of faith. Romans 10, 8, 10. Moses should have only used words of faith to bring life-given water to the nations of Israel. In other words, he ruined this picture of the work of God. That God intended. Let's put a post-it note here for a while. God is more interested in the obedience or in obedience more than outcomes. We often pursue outcomes and allow our emotions or methods or opportunities and knowledge to get in the way of obedience. There is a learning in obedience when God promises the outcome. We must never ignore or discredit what God is doing when we are waiting for him to act. When God tells us to do something, we must do what he tells us to do, whether we understand it or how long it takes in order for us to get results. He will bring about the outcome if we are obedient to him. The chapter continues in, in verse uh, three. It says, the Lord your God himself will go before you. He will destroy this nation before you so that you shall, shall dis, dispose of them. And Joshua would go over at your, head, at your head as the Lord had spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Zion and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their lands, when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. 
do not fear and be and be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, be strong and courageous for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to his fathers to give them and you shall put them in, in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be fair, do not fear and be dismayed. Up until this point, Moses had been the key person in Israel. So it is no brainer that the Israelites might've been a bit nervous or feeling discouraged that he was now gonna transition to somebody else. Moses had responded to God's call to lead them out of the clutches of the Egyptians. And, you know, through great revelations, um, in, you know, with God, he had pretty much almost shown God to the Israelites through his spoken word. And, and you know, he had led them through Mount Zion and he tirelessly led them through the 40 years of wandering. So now at 120 years, he exhibits one of the most competent or one of the most powerful competencies of a super leader. He empowers Israel and Joshua. He strengthens the Israelites' confidence by letting them know it is God's presence, not his, that, will, that was crucially important for acquiring the land. He assured them that God's power would be manifested among them with Joshua as the leader. Neither Israel, Joshua, or Moses needed to be afraid. Instead, they would be strong. They would be of good courage because God, their God, is the one who goes before them. Notice he uses God's covenant name, Yahweh. It was now time for the nation to take courage in Yahweh and not fear, nor be dismayed. Moses will pass from the scene but God will not abandon Israel. Also notice how Moses first focuses on the people to encourage them as they face this new leadership or their first leadership transition. Then he turns to Joshua in the presence of the people and he encouraged him with similar words. Good leaders inspire others by showing confidence in them. However, great leaders inspire others by having, by, by inspire others to have confidence in themselves. Let me repeat myself. So good leaders inspire others by showing confidence in them. Great leaders inspire others to have confidence in themselves. We see another example of leadership empowerment with Jesus and the disciples. They were not extraordinary. At the time of his ministry, Jesus gave them a great commission. And he gave the great commission to the remaining 11. He said, go out and make disciples of men. That is in Matthew 6, 20. And he gave them authority and he reminded them that he would be with them always. They had walked with him for three years, watched him, learned from him and followed his example. Now he empowers them. In John 14, he comforts them and encourages them with the promise of the Holy Spirit that will be with them as they carry through his 
mission. Encouraging people like Moses are a blessing to the body of Christ. Moses knew that Joshua might be wavering. So he encouraged and pushed him forward in the presence of the people to be more than what he thought he would ever be. What an excellent demonstration of empowerment. God uses encouraging people to help us to fulfill our destiny and, you know, the destiny that he has for us. Is God calling you to disciple someone or mentor someone? Are you walking with anyone or encouraging them as they fulfill their destiny in God? This is really, really important. Our example and our wisdom, even the wisdom that we've made from mistakes, will help someone as they go forward. So it is nothing better than mentoring someone younger than you and just letting them know of the mistakes and the wisdom that you have collected along the way. Here's another post-it note. The secret weapon for Israel's victory or victorious conquest of the, the land was not that they were great or masters, master fighters or warriors. The secret is not so secret after all. It was the Lord who went ahead of them. They went into the land in God's strength, not their ability and power, not by Joshua's power, but in the Lord's might. Joshua led following God. God led his people into the promised land through Joshua, who made himself available to God. God does not ask for perfect people. He asks for obedient people. The key to leading is following most specifically following God. The leader who knows how to follow God is a leader worth following. You may be experiencing a spiritual battle or you know, in a trying situation time today. You may be feeling that you're alone or wondering whether God is there or even if he hears or see you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or dread any, anyone for God is with you. He's not, he's, he hasn't forsaken you. He loves you, he's able, and he's faithful. We don't have to live in fear and discouragement even when we feel attacked, outnumbered, or overpowered by the things that are much bigger than us. We must remember the battle is not ours. You know, when the Moabites and the Ammonites were coming up against Jerusalem, God told King uh, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 2, 15, 17, O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go up against them and the Lord will be with you. You will not need to fight the battle. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. He's saying the same thing to us today. Our battles are the Lord's to win, not ours. So let's, you know, I'm not going to read very much more, just for time's sake. In verses nine to 13, Moses records um, the law, maybe on a scroll because they didn't have books at that time, and commissioned the priests to ensure that it was read every seven years to the entire nation. Entire families were required to attend reading, meaning that the maximum number of people would hear the reading. As a nation, they were reminded of what God needed for them to remain an acceptable nation to him. Reading the law had two purposes. 
not everyone had copies of the entire law in the house. Therefore, it would be a time for the whole nation to hear the entire law in context together. Just like we're kind of doing here right now in, in Heartstrong. It's great to read the Bible alone. It's even more powerful to read it together. The celebration of the Feast at Tabernacle would remind them of Exodus from uh, the Exodus from e um, Egypt and the 40 year of wandering, um, you know, as the previous generation had experienced. The people would hear the law within the context of God's deliverance of Israel, which was necessary for their history and their relationship with God. Today, a significant amount of knowledge, um, you know, or, and books and transactions are stored and occur online. If you don't have an email, you're doomed. Kindle and Amazon audio books are some people's best friends. There's nothing wrong with the digital age, but you see what happens when one of our major internet carriers crashed the other day. I have many online Bible versions, but there's just something about a physical copy of the Bible in your hand. It just takes my time with the Lord to the next level. The physical copy is like God's physical presence sitting next to me. I like to touch the words. I like to mark them up, flag the key points, and just sit with it on my lap during my quiet time with God, just as though he's sitting with me. It is such a fantastic way to experience the glory of God. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not offending people who have copies online. I just like my physical copy. You know, let's move on. Verses 14 to 21. You know, two things are happening here. One, in verses 14 to 15, God officially com uh, commissions Joshua to lead Israel. And two, in verses 16 through 21, God foretells of Israel's rebellion. Although God, in, uh, you know, God informed Joshua of his leadership responsibilities through Moses, he needed to hear it from him. He already had time of preparation. He was with Moses on the Mount Zion uh, when the law was given. So he had an appreciation for the law. He had proven skillful in, in, in field of battle. And he had acquired experience as one of the 12 spies and demonstrated that he could, he's of good judgment. He could make good judgments in situations. And he had known for himself firsthand how to obey God, even though it meant being ridiculed. Joshua was qualified to take the reins of Moses, but there is nothing better than getting confirmation of our calling directly from God. God summoned Moses and Joshua to the private meeting at the tabernacle to confirm his appointment. And, you know, this would be Moses's and Joshua's divine retirement and inauguration ceremonies. The glorious moment, however, um, you know, that touching scene where God, um, you know, appears as a cloud, um, you know, will soon turn sad because God will deliver bad news. And that is that God will tell them that Israel will turn um, to idolatry after Moses' death. The breaking of the covenant will result in him forsaking them. You know, these verses tell several statements about God and Israel that are relevant to us today. God knows 
the future, we don't, verses 16. God does not ignore disobedience, verses 17 to 18. God remains faithful when we remain unfaithful, verses 19 to 21. And God knows um, our natural tendencies to act a certain way, verses 21. And, you know, for Israel, Israel did not always accept God's provision for well-being, uh, demonstrating that, you know, unfaithfulness is not caused by unmet need, but by the conditions of our hearts, as we saw yesterday. And we often remember God in adversity, but we will forget him in prosperity. Another opportunity for a post-it note here in verse 20. It's, you know, it's second nature for us to turn to God when we face overwhelming challenges, but dependency on God can quickly fade when life is good and there is no crisis. You know, we must remain diligent and we must guard ourselves against worshiping the blessings of God instead of worshiping him. You know, doing things like Heartstrong, where we're in the word daily, reminding ourselves of who he is, what he has done. You know, gratitude to prayer will remind us of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Serving in church and helping someone will always keep us into perspective and grateful for what God has done. In hearing God's word, you know, Joshua was prepared for what to come. You know, as a leader, he understood the full spiritual context of what will take place. Notice Joshua's posture, though, the entire event. He never spoke. He just listened. It would have been a weighty experience to be informed ahead of time that your, your mission as a leader would be met with mixed results. Yet Joshua remained firm. He took strength and courage in the Lord and was small enough so that God could be big enough within him. The chapter draws to a close with Moses completing the book and placing it outside, not inside, beside, so that it will stand as a witness for the people when they do exactly what God had told them to do. You know, it ended where, um, you know, Moses uh, commissions the, the, the priests to put the law besides the ark. You know, the law was only, and you know, I paused because I asked myself, why did God give people the law when he knew he was going to transgress? You know, and when he knew they were going to transgress. Paul answers this question directly in the New Testament. It was given so that all the people would see how sinful they were. The law was only designed to last until the promise of Jesus was fulfilled in Galatians 3.19. God devoted about a thousand years of history so that he could see, we could see our failures or the Israelites could see their failures. Um, in, and we could have history to see our failures. His intention was never to leave us in the bondage of slavery. Jesus fulfilled what the law couldn't fulfill. In Romans 8, 3, 4, it says, For God had done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his Son in the likeness of the sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. 
who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Thank God he brought us a savior to deal with the rebellion of our heart. Daily repentive acts at the throne of grace would allow his mercy to cleanse us because we too are just as stubborn as, and rebellious as the Israelites are. At the end, Moses was commissioned to write a song, a song that will remind people when they are in the midst of their disparate situation of God's faithfulness. That was recorded in chapter 32. So let's move on. When I was a child, we often learned uh, Bible verses using songs and actions. In Moses' day, history books were not there. So songs were what they learned in order for them to, uh, that was passed down to them from the past. You know, in this song, Moses used abundance of pictures and metaphors and expressions that will show the feelings of God. It offered a graphic contrast between the nature of God and the nature, the nature, nature of the people. He says, God, you know, he, it was presented in a courtroom uh, style presentation. Moses called heaven and earth as witnesses to the truth of what he was going to say, beginning with his proclamation of how God is and how perfect his work is. He says, give all air, um, give your air, all heavens, and I will speak. Let the heavens hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as rain, my speech distill as dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our Lord, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his works are justice. A God of faithfulness and without inquiry, just iniquity, just and upright is he. Notice the reference to rain and showers and dew as life-giving water to grass and plants. If you're a gardener, you know plants sprout like crazy when they get plenty rain. The words were alive and vital to the life the Lord intended for the people. In this song, there are about five themes. The first one is that God was a faithful God, but Israelite were foolish people. You know, God is prominently, prominently pictured as the rock in verses 4, 18, 30, and 31. This imagery presents God as unshakable, immovable. He's an anchor. He's unchanging. He's solid. He's sure-footed. You can run to him as a refuge from a world full of physical and spiritual foes. As a believer in Christ, he is the rock upon which we build our lives, Matthew 7, 24, 29. Jesus is a rock of salvation, 2 Samuel 2, 47. But Jesus is also referred as the rock of offender for unbelievers. He is a, the stone that causes non-believers to trip and fall in their own ruin. When it comes to Jesus, we have two choices. Put our faith in Jesus and re receive life eternal or stumble over him and face eternal judgment. Matthew 21, 43, 44. The rock imagery was used in popular songs like Rock of Ages, The Solid Rock, and lately Maverick City music, 
firm foundation. Moses must have also recalled his personal experiences when God characterized himself as a rock. You know, he proclaimed the law in the rock, Mount Zion. He hid him, God hid him from his glory in the cleft of a rock. And of course, his famous disobedience when he struck the rock rather than speaking to it. Despite God's faithfulness, Israel was corrupt and foolish. They openly disregarded the grace of God and they forgot about his power and wondrous works. The second one is that God chose, chooses Israel, but Israel forgets God. That's in uh, verses 10 to 18. You know, we see God's goodness and loving, compassionate character. He leads Israel, verses 10 to 12. He develops Israel, verses 10 through 12. He provides for Israel, verses 13 to 14. He loved them. The metaphor of an eagle speaks of his loving, parental, nurturing care. God gives his people, God, the, the tender, loving care that God gave his people. Moses described Israel as the apple of his eye in verse 10. The literal Hebrew meaning of this phrase is he kept them as the little men of his eye. You have to get really close to another person before you could see yourself reflected in their eyes. This is how close God was to Israel. He knew them face to face, even though they didn't know him face to face. God blessed them with riches in 13, 14. He made them draw honey from the rock. You know, yet when they got fat, they forsook him in verses 15. They were unmindful of the rock that bore them and the creator who made them. In verses 19 to 25, we see that their, uh, you know, their apostasies provoke God to great anger and judgment. And he withdrew their presence from them. Then in verses 26 to 33, God spares Israel from utter destruction. He wanted to unleash an ultimate power, which was to wipe them out. But God stops himself through further reflection. And he extended mercy instead of rot. He decided to restrain himself for his reputation. He spared them instead of wiping them out. Oh, what a grateful God we have. And the last theme is that he displayed vengeance and compassion for them. For those of you who would like to go or who have to go, I just pray a blessing over you as you go. Uh, may God bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. I just beg indulgence of a couple of minutes more for those of you who remain. Let's move down to verses 44 through 47 where Moses tells the people to set their hearts on all God's words, to know them and take them seriously. As they meditated on the certainty and the severity of God's judgment through the songs of Moses, he's hoping that it would be a powerful deterrent to the future rebellion. A healthy fear of judgment will entice them 
and their decisions to obey God. He wanted them to remember the words. We live in a world full of idle words. So much of what we say or written doesn't matter. However, God's words are more than words on a page. It is life-changing, hope and deliverance. Jesus quoted Matthew 4 in Matthew 4, 3, words that were very important. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every single word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He did that in response of Satan's temptation to make him turn bread into stone during his 40 years of one of, 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 of fasting in the wilderness. God's words are life indeed. You know, um, in the interest of time, I'm just going to skip down to summarize. You know, the hymns and the songs that we sing should be of critical importance. They must be able to shape our hearts and our minds as we proclaim who God is and what he has done for the generations to come. They should build our understanding and enrich our celebration of the whole story of God's faithfulness that have been passed down to us. Such songs for my family were, how great thou art, great is your faithfulness. God is the solid rock on which we stand, rock of ages. What are your songs of fate? Do you have a favorite worship song that reminds you of one of God's characters? Questions for you today. How have God reminded you of his faithfulness in the past couple of months or weeks or even yesterday? And what is your favorite hymn or song and why? Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the Heartstrong shop with all kinds of merch like hoodies and t-shirts and mugs to remind you of this journey of discipleship that you're on. You can log in to heartstrong.life forward slash login to access your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.